Boom. So welcome everybody to the Money, Power, and Influence podcast. I'm your host, BC, Brian Casella. I'm waiting for Arash to hop on. Once he hops on, we'll just go right into it. But for now, I'm going to go ahead and, and start it off. Last week, we talked about money. This is episode five today. Episode four, we discussed money a little bit. I love the reactions and all the questions we were getting, so I wanted to continue it to this week because I knew that um, it would be something that is going to really benefit you guys and it's going to help you out in this world. You know, we still live in a world where money is completely misunderstood. People don't understand the laws of it. They don't know how to attract it. They don't know how to make it. They don't know how to keep it. Uh, you know, they forget that money is just a means of exchange and it's a piece of paper. And really, there's some basic concepts that go with it that we touched on a little bit with last week. But today, I want to talk about a little bit uh, investing versus spending some mindset tricks, and really open your guys' eyes to things that most people don't see or maybe something that they know, but they're really not conscious of it. And just a small tweak could mean the biggest difference between um, them being prosperous and having success with money versus not. All right? So let's jump right into it. The first thing I wanted to go over is investing versus spending. Now, this is something that a lot of people think they know, but they don't, right? Investing means I'm going to put a dollar into something, and when I invest it, I expect a return. And that, and the first section that I'm going to go over is, it's called return on investment. What's your ROI? People who are in real estate, who are into investing, that's a term that's thrown around, ROI, return on investment. So typically, when I invest in a business or when I invest in my real estate business, I personally, and this is a formula you need to come up with yourself for uh, what you're looking for, I always want a 7x ROI. 7x, meaning if I invest a dollar into anything, I am expecting to see minimum $7 returned to me for me to make that investment and for it to make sense to me. All right? So if I was to invest a dollar in a stock, my expectation would be that I get 7 in return. Our special guest, Arash. What's up, brother? Made it. Made it. What's going on, brother? Awesome. Cool. Well, I, I just started. Um, I'm, I'm talking a little bit about investing versus spending. I'm going to touch on it for a few minutes, and then I'll, I'll pass it over to you. Cool? Perfect. Perfect. So, like I said, uh, just to get Arash up to speed, we're continuing the topic of money. I opened it up about investing versus spending. Right now I'm talking about return on investment. Like I just mentioned to you guys, when I invest in something, my goal is to get a 7x ROI, meaning if I invest a dollar, I want seven in return. Okay, That's what ROI is. So when you guys invest, when you're putting your money into something that you think, feel, and you know that it's an investment, you want to know and have an expectation of what you want in return from it. You don't want to just blindly invest. So um, adding on to that, this is something that to me was eye-opening. I don't know if I heard this, but or, or maybe I just formulated it in my own mind. I, I, I kind of saw this clearly, and it came back to me earlier today, and I knew we were going to talk about um, you know, money and investing today on the podcast, and I, I had to share this with you guys. Look, when you think of investing versus spending, when you I'm going to say it, and then I'm going to break it down for you guys so it's crystal clear. When you, when you invest your money, it's still there versus when you spend it, it's gone. All right, so if I can give you two, two quick examples before I break it down, it's 
let's say I invest my money into a piece of real estate, or I spend my money on an article of clothes. Let's look at those two. If I buy a piece of clothing, buy it off the rack at Burlington Coat Factory, Nordstrom's, wherever you want to go, right? Let's say it's Nordstrom's. I buy a you know, $100 shirt. The moment I buy that shirt, its value just went down. I could buy that shirt, take it out of the store, try to sell it on the street for the same price. The odds of me getting that same price are zero or .0001%. I just lost money, okay? And uh, if I can reference that to a movie, I remember watching the movie Baby Boy with Tyrese and that guy who uh, was dating his mom called it guns and butter. I love this, this uh, metaphor. Guns was real estate, stocks, art, things that appreciate in value that you can make money with, and butter is the clothes, the jewelry, the cars, all the things that depreciate the moment that you buy it. Okay. Now, we take that same example and we go to real estate. At the very least, if I buy that piece of real estate, if I turn around and sell it, because it goes off market value, I can get my money back if I wanted it. However, the biggest difference is that money that I invested into the real estate can make me more money and has the opportunity of appreciating in value and giving me a return on my investment. And a lot of people don't look at it this way. You forget that when you buy these things, like clothes and jewelry, you exchange your money and now it's gone. Even if you want to recuperate your money, you won't. When you invest, you're minimum going to get your money back or more. Now, there's some risk, of course, with investing, but when you look at it over the, the, the period of you know, one, two, five, ten years, which is how the elite people think, you're going to see returns on your money, or at the very least, you can get your money back because it's still there, versus when you spend it, it's gone. Cool. So I'm going to pass it to you, Arash. I know we're talking about a little bit on return on investment, investing versus spending. I know you've built some businesses. You definitely know how to invest, so maybe you can impart some knowledge on these guys and, and make them a little bit wiser. Absolutely, and I can. Uh, first, let me just start off by saying that uh, when it comes to investing money, um, I'm newer to this, so I'm not going to play the wise owl. I'm good at it, and what I mean by that is what I've invested is giving me returns already. So I can give you guys some strategies on that. Uh, the first thing I think about when it comes to investing money, I always ask myself, is the person investing in their own education or not? I think to me that if you want to be more successful, if you want to be more wealthy, you must keep educating yourself. Now, this triggers a thought in my mind. My old teacher, Manu Tupo, who was probably one of the greatest men, if not the greatest man I ever met in my life, one time I was speaking to him, and he said to me uh, something that I might, might be the first time I'm repeating here. He said, uh, Arash, you have to study all of your competitors. Listen to this. You have to know every single thing they know. Then he said, you also have to keep up to date in your field with all the brand new information that's coming up, so you have to educate yourself so that you are up to date with the newest information that comes out. Three. He said, you have to be the best at all of that. And that is the investment of all investments. Um, right now, you know, I, I look and, and the tabs that are open on my computer, it's a constant education. So let's just say 
that you really wanted to learn how to invest your money in stocks, right? Would it be the best choice to ask Arash or VC about stocks? I would say absolutely not. You can get some suggestions. I have some stocks. I don't know if he has some stocks. But there are people who are brilliant at that. And you have to know everything they know in order to get a grasp of the subject. Would it be a good idea to ask, how do I invest my money in my own business, in my own promotion? How do I invest my money in my own further evolution? Absolutely. We're the guys for that. We'll fucking kill it. We'll kill it with anybody on the planet. So think about investment as just this basic term that says, I'm going to put something in, and whatever I've put in doesn't go completely away. It brings me back more. That's what an investment is. So even in a relationship, you know, I'm late to this podcast because, what time is it right now? 5.29. At 5.14 p.m., I just looked at my clock. I was aware I'm doing this podcast. And I looked at my clock, and I was on a phone call, and I said, I have to go right now. I can't talk. Bye. And I hung up the phone. But there's a reason for that. I have been handling relationship issues since 10.30 a.m. this morning, everybody. 11, 12, 1, 2, 3, 4. That's six, six hours now, six and a half hours. With one meal so far. And I'm not telling a sad, a sad sob story because it's fucking handled. And the question I ask myself is, why am I doing that? And the answer is what we're talking about. It's an investment in my own future. It's an investment in my own life. And I'm willing to make that investment because of the return that comes back. And just like any investment, there's a risk to it. But when it comes to this subject, I am the expert. So I'm going to trust my own instincts on this and my own judgment. So investment is putting money in, getting something back, and there's always going to be a risk to it. But if there was no risk, then what the fuck? Everybody would just be multi-millionaires walking around. There has to be that game. That's my perspective on this. Awesome. Now, the next thing I wanted to touch on, and I know Arash will, will have some good input regarding this, uh, one thing that I kind of categorized when it comes to investing is, number one, I noticed that when when you say the word invest to most people, like it, it's not exciting, it's not fun to the average person. And there's almost like this, the word chore comes to my mind, like, oh, like, oh, man, I have to invest my money. Like, that's so boring versus spending it. Like, spending it has a positive, uh, you know, enthusiastic connotation to it, like, oh, I'm going to buy a car, I'm going to buy some clothes versus investing. It's like, oh, man, i got to invest my money. And I broke it down to the observer versus owner mentality. And if I could touch on it for a second, when you look at it from the observer mentality, the investment, I believe that personally, in my opinion, is what causes people to think so negatively or incorrectly about investing. You see, when you invest, when you produce more and more and more, as that continues to grow, now it compounds and it's going to get bigger and bigger into this animal that eventually is just going to spiral upwards and give you every rich that you, all the riches you ever wanted. And the shift from my perspective, and this worked for me and I know it's going to work for you guys, is I went from looking at it from the outside, investing and saying, okay, you know, this is something I have to do, it's like a job, and I switched it over to this, this ownership mentality saying, okay, this is my investment. I'm going to grow this thing. 
I'm going to put myself into it. And when I made that switch and, you know, I started tracking it and really getting into it deeply, I noticed a complete shift in my emotion towards it. Now I was almost cheering my investments along and I was very into it and I was very enthusiastic about it. Whereas before, as I was beginning to educate myself on it and before I started investing, it was almost like it, it did seem like a, a burden to me versus now it seems I'm even more addicted, I guess you could say, to putting more money into investments and, and watching my money grow, seeing my money work for me. And, um, and there's going to be one more thing I'll talk about with Arash uh, at the end that I think is brilliant and is going to be one of the main reasons you should invest your money and grow it. But uh, I want to kind of get your take, uh, Arash. What do you think about that, the observer versus owner mentality, or do you have your own kind of mentality behind it because that for me was a huge shift going from looking at investments as something that I kind of had to do to now taking ownership of it and actually enjoying the process. Yeah, uh totally, completely. It's uh it's funny, you know, because I hated the word invest. <laughs> it was weird. Like it was just a word that was not attractive to me. You know, I'm I'm like a a wordsmith, you could say, or I hate the word wordsmith. I'm like a word wizard or something like that, where words have like flavors to me. And the word investor was just like a, it was just an ugly word, like investment, investor. It was like that word that everybody that I didn't really care about or or knew used on TV all the time about shit that I didn't really understand. <laughs> you know, here I am just just trying to make a couple of bucks to pay the fucking bills. Yeah, I'm just trying to make my head survive above the water. And people are talking about big investments. And I'm like, no, actually, that has nothing to do with me. And then I started to make some money. And I noticed something. I noticed that if my money doesn't go anywhere, it, it kind of ends up going somewhere. It stales and then fucking goes into a broken car or some shit. Some weird emergency. And I was like, man, money's got to flow. So then I was like, okay, invest. I was like, ah, oh, I fucking hate that. And so, like you say, you know, I, w I would observe it from far, like, oh, the, there, there's the investor, there's the people, there's this thing called Wall Street, there's this thing called... And I remember when I was like, okay, I'm going to get stocks for dummies, trading stocks for dummies. And I got the book and I read like three pages and I threw it away. I just couldn't fucking, I, I couldn't understand, I didn't... So then I went online and I YouTube, didn't understand shit. Finally, you know what I did? I said, Dad, my dad's still alive right now. I said, Dad, do you have any stocks? I said, yeah, I have some. I said, do you know how to do it? I said, well, I'll tell you what. What do you have? And he tells me, right? I said, what do you think if I buy one of those? He goes, oh, it's not a bad idea. I said, okay, great. So I'm like, how do you buy it? And then he showed me. Well, actually, he didn't even, he didn't even fucking show me. He told me how to do it. And then I looked online, and it was uh, this company, TDM Ameritrade. So I called them. And I remember I was actually, dude, I was actually nervous. It's funny. I was nervous because I didn't want to sound like an idiot. I didn't want to be like... You know, I'm a 30-fucking-8-year-old guy who has no idea what the fuck I'm talking about right now. But I did. I called. And they got a representative on the phone. I said, look, I have like $1,000 or whatever the fuck it was, and it's my first time investing, and I have no idea. I said, however, I was told about this stock. How do I buy this? And he was like, well, you know, I said, no, can we just keep it so simple? How do I just buy this? And it started with him, okay, here's how you buy this. And I said, okay, so then how do I track this? And he said, we have an app. So then I downloaded the app. Then I was so fucking excited to wake up in the morning and look at the $1,000 I spent to see what happened to it. So every morning I would go on my app and it would you know, be like a little loss, a little gain, whatever the fuck it was. And so the money came in again. The next money came into my hand. I said, okay, now I'm going to buy a little bit more. So I, I went and I asked my dad, what's another one? Again, I made a call. So I called four times to Ameritrade in the beginning. And I asked them. And I said something like, look, 
you know, I like the company um, Target. I said, how do I, how do I, how do I do this? And the guy was very uh, informative, and I did it, and that's how I got started. Now I, I, I know the basics, like YouTube. I know, I know how to fucking do what I got to do to get the results that I want to get. And I, I'm, a, you know, I'm not an observer anymore. Like you said, I'm, I'm an owner. I, I own this. I, I, it's part of my life. And now when I think about investing, the word is exciting. It pulls, it pulls me to it. Whereas before the word was over there, I was over here, and I was like, yeah, yeah, there's these things called investors. Now I'm like, okay, like I need to be investing my money, investing my time, investing in my relationships. Suddenly I got this new vocabulary, this new word that would be uh, repulsive is now attracting me to the world. So, you know, that, that's how it was for me, and I, and I really fucking enjoy that. Awesome. See, and I don't know if you guys could catch it. I could also see as he described it. I could hear the excitement in his voice, and it reminds me of, of myself when I was going through it too. And it's funny because, uh, and we, we can end with this this last thought. I, for the longest, you know, I, I fought it, and, you know, I, I didn't want to understand money or investing, and I was just so like, ah, whatever, you know. I started buying into all the bullshit that I was taught. But, you know, one thing I started realizing when I started investing my money and then creating more money was this, you always hear and you see, you know, time versus money, right? And I began to see the formula. The more money I started to make and accumulate, the more I started investing here and there and into my business and other places, I started seeing that now with that more money I created, well, I shouldn't use the word create, I found myself being in a position to utilize my time more, right? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk a little bit about that because what you guys don't realize right now is the fact that you have no money, that you're not investing your money, that you're not growing your money and making more, you are becoming a slave to time. When I look at what I'm doing now, how I manage my time now versus before, it's night and day different. Having more money has allowed me more time to educate myself, invest more money, learn more about my business, invest more in my business, and it will continue to grow and grow and grow. Because until you start investing and making more money, you're going to be on the other side of the fence, where now there's not enough time. There's not enough time. And as I have gotten more money, <clears throat> my time now, I look at my schedule. I'm even looking at it right here. It, it's just, it blows my mind away. Because I have the same 24 hours as I did before, but before, I was doing lower income pr producing activities and there was only so much more I could grow. The ceiling was set at a certain height versus now, I keep raising the ceiling over and over and over and over and I have more opportunities and more opportunities and more opportunities. So I'm curious to hear from you, Arash, because I've seen your explosive growth, especially in the last couple of years. How has that time versus money formula been working for you, especially the last couple of years? Well, it's been changing as I'm it's been changing as my condition is changing. So I really value my time right now. Like a lot. I, I truly value my time because that that I can't get back. You know, I spent six hours today handling other people so that they can you could say just be strong enough to to handle life, six fucking hours that I won't get back. I'm very aware. 
I'm very aware of this as I turn 40 years old. I just looked on Facebook. My friend, his name is Paul Ilam. Take, take a look at him. He's an incredible man. He's famous. Punch him on YouTube. You'll see you'll love his shit. Uh, he just put that he just turned 60 and he's contemplating life. And I, for a moment, said, man, you know, 20 years from now, how would I be looking at life, you know? Um, I truly value my time. And why is this important as a businessman or somebody who is into, uh, you know, an entrepreneur, someone who, sale, who sells, because when your clients perceive that you value your time, they will subconsciously get the sense that what you actually have is valuable, whatever it is you're selling, whatever it is you're selling. This morning I had the opportunity to spend time with an absolutely breathtaking woman. There's only... <laughs> So many women that look like this in life, you know. She's a new woman in my life, and you know, I uh, we were hanging out, and, and I said to her, you know, um, do you know how much it would cost? <laughs> it sounds funny, but I wasn't hitting on her or anything, so it makes sense in the, in context. It'll make sense in just a second. I said, do you know how much it would cost to be with me for one hour like this? And she laughed. She said, I know. I said, well, I'll tell you, it's $1,000. I know you know, but I should tell you again, it's $1,000. And then I said to her, I said, you know, nothing in life is free. And I'm not doing this as charity. I said, what I'm teaching you, and that's the reason why I was hanging out with her, is I actually have an interest in teaching her because I think she's going to be part of my business and stuff like that. She's, she's phenomenal. And I said, um, I said, I'm not doing this as charity work for you because I don't hang out with people that need charity. I hang out with royalty. And I'm not charging you, but I'm also telling you that, I'm getting something in return. And I said, you need to ask yourself, if it's $1,000 to me, what am I getting in return? And then I said, what we're, we're, we're talking about, I said, you know, time, time can't be given back to me. And it's so important that you recognize that if I'm taking an hour of my day, that there's actually in my mind, this is an investment, this is something that I look in the future, and it's going to be something huge for me. And I was saying that because, all, first of all, it gives the person the right perspective. But secondly, you all must recognize that a lot of times what you're doing is you're spending your time, right, and uh, over and over and over with, with prospects or people who they just, um, they suck from you, they suck from you, they suck from you, and they, they are not um, qualified to, to buy the product. And so one of the things I've developed over time, to answer your question quicker now, is I've learned when I deal with people to ask certain questions. And these questions will help me, as quickly as I can, determine whether or not my time is going to be spent when somebody who has the value to me that I want in life, or is my time going to be spent being sucked up by the person. And if you understand that sales and seduction and marketing and all that is you have to give value, that means the moment that I spend five, ten minutes or an hour with somebody, the whole time I'm not taking, I'm giving, I'm giving, I'm giving, I'm giving, and my time does not come back to me. So I need to make sure that the time I'm giving, the compensation, is worth it. And so as I get older, I really value time a lot more, a lot more. You know, I used to do one-on-ones for a certain amount of money, and then I raised it tremendously. And, you know, my girlfriends, they asked me, they said, why would you, you bring it so high? I know you're worth it, but I don't think anyone's going to do it. I said, that's the whole point. That's the whole point. It wasn't worth it when people were coming down and I was spending two days with somebody and enlightening them, educating them, and it wasn't worth $10,000 to me. It just was not worth that. I said, now with this amount of money, probably nobody will do it, but if somebody does it, then I'll be excited to teach them. 
because my time is worth it. So if time and money, you know, they're interchangeable in that if somebody is going to take your time and they compensate it with the right amount of dollars, I think you're going to be okay. On the other hand, if you have a good amount of money, you can actually buy yourself some time. So people say, you know, because we all have 24 hours, and one of the things that I get as a, as a compliment or admiration is, how do I get so much done with all the things I got going on? Well, I use my money to buy time. Like, I don't wash my own car. Someone, I, I pay someone to go wash my car. I don't buy my own groceries. I pay someone to buy my groceries. And someone's like, oh, no, because I'd rather have that fucking time to make a video or help a student or study. That's what my money goes to. I have not bought groceries in a while. I haven't washed my car in a while. Well, my car needs washed anyway, so right now. And I don't clean the house in a while. Like, there are certain things that I will pay other people to do just so it affords me time to do more of what I like to do. And in that case, money is time for me, and I love that. Awesome. Wow, powerful. So, again, like I said in the beginning, if you guys have any questions, press star 2. I'm going to uh, quickly go over one little last nugget to give you guys, and then we will end today's podcast. The last thing I want to touch on is, and, and you guys need to be very, very aware of this, because I noticed that when I was younger, I fell trapped to this as far as um, you know, spending money and, and kind of what I was doing we have this constant battle with our ego. And even today, even the smallest purchases I make of anything, I, I ask myself, and you guys really need to listen to this and, and check in with yourself constantly, am I buying this for me or am I buying this for somebody else? What do I mean by that? Are you buying that ring to impress somebody? Are you buying that clothes so that one person notices you? Are you buying that car to show off to your friends or to your neighborhood and pretend to be this guy that you're not? Are you moving forward? Are you exchanging your money for these things for yourself or for some outside reason? You have to check with yourself. I guarantee you more than half, probably three-quarters of the purchases you're making, even going to Starbucks, you want to look cool and post it on Facebook. You will eliminate half to three-quarters of your spending, unnecessary spending, by asking yourself that question before you hand the money over. Take that moment and check in with yourself. When I started doing that, my whole situation with money completely transformed. So again, guys, star or two if you have a question. If not, I'll pass it to Arash, brother. Do you have anything to leave these guys with, or are we going to end it? Of course, uh, I can always talk. I think that uh, once we recognize the basic idea that Manu handed to me, which is the answers are out there. What answers? I don't know. What's your question? There's an answer out there. And it's up to each of us to find these answers. And the search for truth and the search for answers is a lifelong journey that is just, I mean, I uh, it is my addiction. Truly, I'm addicted to it. And since we're talking about money, success, and wealth, you must know that there are answers out there, you know? A lot of answers between BC and I. But you have to apply the answer. So it's kind of like it reminds me of a, a math teacher putting 2 plus 2 on the board and nobody walking up to solve it. But a few of the kids are like, I know the answer, I know the answer, I know the answer. Well, unless you write, go walk up there and write the answer on the board, the equation is not solved. 
And so I think a lot of people, all you need to do is go back and listen to the last three podcasts we've had. There's enough information there for you to make a change in your in your condition. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. Promise. But after you listen to it, you have to do something about it, right? You have to put in the, the, the number so that you solve the equation. And it's funny because the moment you solve the equation, a new equation appears. And that's what you don't know. It's always the next equation is missing. You can't see it until you solve it. It's like one of these puzzle games on, uh, you know, on a computer. You don't know what the next one is because it's locked. And it only becomes apparent when you fix the first one. So right now, all of us are dealing with whatever, whatever income issues we're dealing with. Uh, and, you know, Bill Gates is probably dealing with income issues. I mean, everybody has, has income. They're trying to do something with it. And so the next level is not available. It's locked until you solve this problem. This problem. And what is this problem? That's the one you have to answer. Because this problem for you may just be as simple as discipline. It may just be as simple as wake up an hour earlier. I mean, that, that, that will do you wonders. If you wake up an hour earlier, starting tomorrow, then you have seven hours by the end of the week, and you have 28, 29, maybe 30 by the end of the month, hours. That's a lot of fucking hours if you know what you're doing. And it could be as simple as that. It could be as simple as going to the next seminar. It could be as simple as purchasing the next product. It could be as simple as writing that letter or approaching five new clients every day. But until you do that, you won't know what the next level to unlock is. And when you unlock it, the next level shows up. And I think all of us are somewhere in this game of life, unlocking these problems. And some of us have given up. It's like, oh, you know, you ever played these good games? I remember when I was a kid, it was like, ah, I did this, this, pro- this level, I can't. There's no way I can, I, I can't get past this level. And then somehow we would play the same level over and over and over for like three fucking days. And then it, we would get it. I, I, and I, I remember as a kid, I would trip out. There was a game, Rygar, we used to play on Sega. And this fucking level would just stay there. Or Kid Curse was another one for a Nintendo uh, at the time. And we would just get stuck. My friend and I would just be days and days and hours on the same level. Then suddenly, we would pass it. And we never knew how the fuck we passed it. So you've got to take this situation you're having, be totally obsessed with it, completely, completely taken over by it, and go solve the problem and stick with it. I swear to God, stick with it. Something magical will happen. That's all for me. See if there's any questions. Awesome. So, again, guys, we'll give it one last round. Star two if you have any questions. If not, we will end it, and we'll see you guys next week. Cool. So we have somebody, I believe, from Canada. You're unmuted, my friend. Uh, hey guys, it's Shane. Can you hear me? Yes, loud and clear. Okay, awesome. Uh, I just had a quick question about mentality of being an employee to owning a product and a company. Uh, I'm 36, and basically that entire time of working on planet Earth, I've been conditioned myself as being an employee, like having a boss, earning a wage, all this kind of stuff. Recently, I do have a product that I put out, and I'm having a hard time shifting to... Now I'm an owner of a company. I'm an owner of a product. I wonder if you had some tips on that shift. Arash, you want to take that first? Yes. You know, I actually, it's funny. I realized this a while back, but I never felt like I was an employee. 
You know, I recently came back in contact with my original martial arts instructor, uh, Master Ernie Reyes, and his wife, Margie. And, you know, I, I was raised by those people for a very long time. I ended up at their school at 11 years old. And, you know, and they basically raised me through my teenage years. And they taught me the basics of professionalism. You know, I owe them a lot. and I, I posted about it and all that. And um, every time, even as a child, when I walked into those doors, I really didn't feel like I was working for somebody. I felt like that that was my place. I always felt like it was my place. Always. And even like studying, let's say, the mystery method, because I know you know about that for me. When I study something, if I believe in it, I never thought that I'm studying somebody else's thing. I always thought I, I take it personal, like this is mine now. And this sense of ownership of what I touch uh, is, I think, a big deal because that's how I knew 100% fact that I was going to be able to make it in the martial arts business is when I left, I had been already doing it as if it was mine. See, I have employees that I pay attention to uh, that have been working for me for a long time, and I ask myself, I say, is this person going to be able to make it without me in this business or not? The answer is no. The answer is no. Because, <clears throat> because doing the minimum requirement and, you know, whatever, you could be a great trainer, you could be a great teacher, but that's not running a fucking business. So for myself, I actually never understood the employee uh, status. Uh, I was teaching for Batata Jiu-Jitsu. You know, I had my own, <laughs> I had my own martial arts academy, and every morning I would teach for my instructor. I would teach his, his fucking the morning class, Jiu-Jitsu class, and it was such a fucking honor for me, dude. Such an honor for me. And when I would do it, I never thought I'm teaching for him or at his place. I it was my class at that moment, and so I took ownership of the class. And so if you say, like, you know, I, I've done that for so long and now I'm doing this, I would say as a mental exercise, it's one of those mind fucks, okay? Welcome to Diamond Mind here. As a mental exercise, something that you can do is you could have any kind of memory that you've had in your previous uh, uh, experience as an employee and, you know, relax your body, sit there and just kind of see what image comes up. Then in that image, go back and give yourself the belief system that you no longer were the employee and you were actually the one who owned the place and walk yourself through those scenarios and see what you would have done differently and what you would have seen. Now, if you run this on a daily basis, what will happen is you're actually going back in time and fixing some stuff in the head. And so then suddenly in present time, you'll act differently if, if there was a giant gap. And this is an exercise of the mind that you can, you can do with anything. I've done it with women many times. If you ever fucked up with women in the past, what you do is you go back with the new wisdom you have and you run the scenario as you would do it now, over and over and over. And what it will do is it will give the brain, it's a brain fucking exercise, it will give the brain new neurons, new pathways when it comes to that subject because when that subject shows up again, you're going back into the groove of the old habits of doing shit. And a lot of times that's the problem. You create brand new pathways in the brain, new ways of doing stuff. So, yeah, that's what I would do. Okay, Shane, I'll, I'll add something to it. What he gave you was obviously phenomenal. Two things. One, don't uh, be upset at the fact that you have been an employee because when you look around, man, everything in society and the way you were raised was to make you be a good little boy, school, college, and everything else. So we've kind of been indoctrinated to be that way. The last thing I can leave you with because what Arash gave you was really, really good, and if you apply that, it's going to fix your problem. 
you have to remember that you know when you're an employee, um, to the degree that you have responsibility in something is to the degree that it's going to succeed. So right now you have your own product, you want to create your own business. To the degree that you take responsibility for it, man, and push it, promote it, and work on it, to that same degree it's going to succeed. It's just like me in real estate. If I don't go at it, if I don't work hard, it's all on you. When you're an employee, yeah, you just clock in, you clock out. When this is your product, your baby, your idea, it is 100% your responsibility, man. So if you give it 50% or 60% instead of 100, then you can expect a 50 or 60% result. And the reason that I succeeded was I worked harder than everybody else. If I had that product or that idea and I believed in it, I pushed it harder than anybody else. So I worked from sun up to sundown and made it work. And that's what you're going to have to do. And you're going to have to accept the fact that the only way you're not going to make it is if you don't give it your all, man. So whatever product you have, you need to push it and work on it, nurture it, and push it out there as if it's the best thing. But it's going to be on you because now you're not clocking in and you're not under somebody. You are your boss, your employee, your everything. You are the company with this new product. So it's going to be on you. That was awesome. Thank you, guys. Uh, we have a caller also from Fort Collins. Hey, can you hear me? Solomon. Solomon, what's up, man? Go ahead. What's your question? Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay, yeah, great, great, great. Uh, yeah, my question is about... Like when you're first starting getting out there, you're presenting your product to people. Uh, right now, I just kind of like learned a lot. I learned that I may want to use a video testimonial, but um, my question is: is like when can I start? Like as I'm getting out there, how can I gauge when it'll be a good time to start to increase the value of my product? I'm a DJ, so you know I want to be as fair as possible, but I do want to have a, a good gauge on when it's going to be, you know, like the right time to increase my prices. So, uh, okay. would you, uh... Um, is the question when is the right time to increase your prices? Make sure I heard that right. Yes, that's the question. Okay, what is your product? My product is a DJ service. Explain what? I'm sorry? Which does what? Like how, you know, I'm about to hire you. What do you do? Well, um, we want, well, so I'm like, well, what I do is, is I'm a DJ. I come to your event and then, you know, I take over the music. So it's, it's not about, it's not about me. It's about you and like, uh, so I'm pro I provide the music, the right music for the right event, uh, like weddings parties, um, you know, gatherings and stuff, I provide the right music for the, uh, you know, different scenarios. Okay, got it. Okay, so first, that part you want to work on. That's why I asked that. I think that everybody who calls from now on, I would like to ask them, what is your product? And tell me, you know, what do you do? So that that you can smooth out, but that won't be this call. Now, when do you increase your your your, uh, your price? For me, it's really simple. Okay, when people will pay for it. That's it. You increase your price, people don't pay for it. 
wrong price. And you can experiment. You know, you it's like, uh, let's say my price, here's what happened with my academy. I started at $149 a month for membership. People were paying it. I dropped it to 97 a month. People were paying it. I recently dropped it to 49 or 47 a month. I don't know exactly. People are still paying it, of course, right? I keep dropping it. The question would be, why am I dropping it? It matches my vision. The less I needed money, the the the, the less I could charge. Where I needed more money in the beginning, but people were paying it. So you're gonna you're gonna charge what people are willing to pay. Now, because you're a DJ, if you are gonna DJ in the hood, you can get paid a certain thing. If you're gonna DJ in the suburbs, different. If you're going to DJ for a wedding of a rich daughter of a rich man versus you're going to DJ for a wedding of somebody who, you know, has barely any money. So I would say, check your audience. Who are you selling to? There's Walmart. There's Target. There's Louis Vuitton and Chanel. You've got to know who you're selling to. And... You can even get to the level where you have different packages for different audiences. Here's my wedding package A, wedding package B and C. You want wedding package A because this is the one where you told me you're going to have a big, huge wedding. I think it's going to be the most important day of your life. This is the day everyone's going to remember, and this is a day where it's all about you. So I need to sit down with you to figure out exactly what your vision is. Who's going to be there? I mean, I think that every every movement of your steps should be should be musical. I think that everybody should leave feeling absolutely incredible. So with package A, called the fucking Don Julio package, I'm just looking at the uh, alcohol, Don Julio package, is this. There's also package B and C. A costs 3000 B costs 1500 and C is for people who, you know, already have some DJ this and that. They want to hire me just to make it even better, and that's only 400 bucks. And so packages are good, and having different appeals to different audiences is good too. But for me, okay. the basic answer of how much should a product cost, when should the product price be raised, when there's a demand for it and people will pay for it. That's when that's when I would raise my product. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, I have nothing to add to that, Solomon. That's a pretty thorough answer for what you asked. Most definitely. I appreciate it. All right, well, that's it. Uh, we answered all the questions. Again, 5.15 p.m. Pacific time every Wednesday. We will see you guys next week. Um, Arash, always a pleasure having you. These podcasts are amazing. I actually looked, man, and we, on Podomatic, uh, the first week when I put it on, we were top, I think we were top 50 for the educational sector on Podomatic for all podcasts. Hell yeah, I guarantee you we'll be number one one day. <laughs> we keep doing it, we're going to be number one for sure. I agree, man. Cool. So that's it, everybody. We'll see you next week. Again, if you have other questions, ask them next week, and we'll get them answered. See you guys. Bye.